Hey everyone, just wanted to do a little bit of house cleaning before we kick off the Ishmael episode. Um, I've upgraded all the equipment and you should hopefully be able to start hearing that this week with Ishmael. Um, his podcast, the Brandon Cruz podcast and the Bert and Aaron from Built to Last podcast are all recorded on the new equipment, but uh, you know, I'm figuring all the kinks out and this shit isn't easy and I'm not a, I'm not a big tech technology guy, so... Uh, Bear with me. I'm trying to do my best here and uh, get everything up to the quality that people want so everyone can be well represented. Um, that kind of goes into also, I wanted to give a sincere thank you to my um, early Patreon supporters um, who hooked it up, you know, without me having to beg too hard because that shit makes me feel pathetic. Um, and guys, you know... Doing a dollar or doing three dollars a month is is a huge help. So uh, you know, if you enjoy the podcast, you want to support it, go to patreon.com slash one eight five miles south. Hook it up with a dollar a month. You know, uh, strength in numbers. You know. Anyway, uh, sincere thank you to Adrian Gonzalez, Anthony McCullough, Carl Valdez, Davi Rivas, Dustin Vogel, Greg Cornwell, Jacob Mendez. Rob Moran, Josh Belcher, Max McDonald, Robert Cole, Micah Wolf. Um, I also wanted to say that if there's any punk or hardcore kids that run their own businesses, I want uh, you to get in touch with me and we can do shout outs or figure anything out because, uh, you know, that's the ultimate in DIY. So I saw Rob on the list there. Um, he's one of the owners at Heartwork Coffee Bar. It's in the Mission Hills neighborhood of San Diego. If anyone's in San Diego or you come through, it's a great spot to get a cup of coffee. Also, they got uh, they got the uh, sheep from the Minor Threat Out of Step record. It's painted on the wall, like, around the corner. So that's a good good spot to uh, take an Instagram photo or whatever you like to do. Um, so go check them out. Uh, Fred from It's Alive Fanzine. Check him out, Instagram, It's Alive Fanzine. Um he also re-released the Nardcore comp that was out of print for a long, long time. And you can get it for a cheap price. I think it's 10 bucks up at uh, the Revelation Distro. So go over there to uh, RevHQ.com and uh, buy the Nardcore comp. Put in, uh, put in the promo code no Southers, and uh, you may or may not get a discount. I don't fucking know. Um, finally, I wanted to talk about the business I run with my partner, Max McDonald. Um, our business is called Max Wood Co. And uh, we build out custom interiors for creative retailers. We also do all sorts of uh, custom furniture. Um, you know, anything from custom kitchen tables to quarter million dollar millwork packages. We do all that stuff. So if you are an entrepreneur, you're looking to open uh, a business, you know, get in touch with us. Uh, we'll build you out. And uh, if you're just fucking balling and want a sick table or a sick chair or something, get in touch too. Uh, check out our website, maxwood.co. Um, let's get on with the show. Ishmael Hernandez. He coined hardcore. Doesn't get more fucking OG than that. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast.
just do a, a soft open. <laughs> um, I'm here today with Ishmael Hernandez from uh, Dr. No, and currently False Confessions <coughs> as well, right? Yeah. But you didn't play on the 7-inch. No. I joined like eight years ago. Sick. So for like the comeback run. Yeah. And they're still super sick. Or you oh, guys are still super sick. They're amazing. Yeah. We're writing a new record. It's all fucking incredible. Yeah, and that's a <laughs> band that could like do something now and it's like timeless type music. Right. Yeah. Not dated at all. So to give everyone an introduction on Ishmael, you actually coined the term Nardcore. Well, I said it first, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't a big jump from Oxnard hardcore to Nardcore. Yeah, but it's yeah. still the first. Right? Well, I mean like it, Tony and uh, John from Ill Repute were the first local guys I heard say hardcore. I mean, I'd heard the term before, but they were the ones that really started using it that I heard. And uh, so it's kind of cool that they, they're kind of the ones that really ran with it. But they were saying hardcore or nardcore? They were saying hardcore, and then okay. I said nardcore, and then they kind of took, you know, they kind of ran with it. Yeah. Because I kind of associate that with Ill Repute, kind of. Sure. You know? Sure. And what age? Even though they're from Wainimi. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what age were you? And what year do you think that was? Oh, it was probably, it was probably 19. You were 19? Yeah. In 82-ish? A- yeah, probably. Yeah. 81, maybe, yeah. So did you get into punk before that? Yeah. I have older brothers, so my older brothers were into stuff like the Stooges and MC5 mm-hmm. and Slade and T-Rex. So when the first Ramones album came out, they loved it right away. Yeah. So I heard punk from the very beginning, but I didn't really immerse into it until like late 79, 80. When all the heart, like Black Flag and all those bands started coming out. That's what I mean, was. I loved that early stuff, but when I heard Nervous Breakdown, I remember thinking, okay, this is something different. Yeah. This is way angrier. You know, this is yeah. this is how I feel, you know? Yeah, what do you think about if just a kid, let's say a 15-year-old kid today heard that the first time? Don't you think it resonates the same? Well, I would hope so. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the music is so timeless, and it's like, it's impossible to recreate. Yeah. You know, it's like... Even when they do like the re-recordings of all those songs, they never sound as good as they do on that seven. I know because you're never that young and that angry again. Yeah, and it's just like a place in time and like an angst. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope it would still resonate. But that's amazing that you were there when it when it happened. So how do you decide that you want to start playing your own music? Well, uh, my older brother Gilbert was teaching me to play guitar, and I was just playing along to records. And then uh, I met, uh, I ran into an old high school friend, Robin Cartwright. And he was best friends with Kyle Toucher. Mm-hmm. And they told me that they wanted to start a punk band. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how Dr. No was born. And that would have been 80 or 81? It was, uh, we started talking about it at the end of 80. And then the first practices were like February of 81, I think. Okay. And now do you do demos before you do like that mystic stuff that ended up being like the original group? The fir- No, the first thing was the original group that we recorded, yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you get like courted for that? Like, how does that happen that oh, you end up going to, like, the studio? Actually, that's because of Brandon, because he was going to be on a TV show called Whatever Happened To. Okay. About child stars. Sure. And they he told him he was in a band and he wanted to play a song for the show. Okay. So they paid for us to record. And uh, they played, like, a, a two-second blurb of us play, in the studio playing live on that show. It was on uh, Dick, Dick Clark production. Okay. So they paid for it. But then we didn't have the rights to it, so that's why it was released after Plug and Jesus. Okay. Because we couldn't legally touch it. Yeah. yeah. So, but you go in and you demo a bunch of songs? Yeah, we did like 10 songs. And that's all, is it basically the Plug and Jesus lineup with Brandon? There's not a whole lot of information on those records. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's uh, Rick Heller, me, uh, Brandon. Yeah, no Fred. 
Fred yeah. hadn't joined yet. Yeah. Okay. And those songs are like more simple and, and yeah, because we were trying to be discharged, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're great. They're, they're just like you haven't hit your apex yet. Right. So those are all recorded in like eighty two, eighty three. Uh, maybe late eighty one. Yeah. Eight, early eighty two at Goldmine here in Ventura. Okay. And then you don't you don't go record until you do plug in Jesus. You know, I'm not sure. Okay. Because <laughs> I know that we released a song on Slimy Valley. Okay. And I think that was before Plug in Jesus. I think that was the same year. Yeah. Both 84. Yeah. So you may have recorded that song. I think we may have recorded that song before, but I don't remember. So what are you doing in between, like, recording the, that demo? Do you put it out? Like, is it on a tape for people? Like, do people get familiar with those songs at all? No, because we didn't have any rights to it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And are you just playing parties? We're just playing and- parties here in Ventura and getting shit thrown at us. and Yeah. And just playing anywhere. He just playing anywhere, and then eventually, uh, John from Circle One liked us, so he started getting us gigs in LA. Yeah. And how do you meet the other bands that are going around the time? Or was it only aggression? Because it's well, eighty-one. Uh, uh, Ill Repute started that same year. I'm pretty sure eighty-one. Okay. Okay. Um, Ill Repute, I met because they our very first show. We played at uh, a park in Camarillo for a battle of the bands. Okay. And they showed up because they heard there was a punk band playing, yeah. and we. That's how we met Ill Repute. That's so sick. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's, it's funny because some some stuff never changes, or maybe it did now, but from your generation to my generation, it's like, well, I played the Battle of the Bands in Camarillo when I was 15 also, you know? Yeah. And made friends with like the other punk band also. So yeah. It's like, some things never change. I, yeah. know, I hope there's still kids like, you're trying to play everywhere, right? You're 15. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, that's sick. Now, Plug In Jesus is, is a, it's a big jump in sound. Yeah. And it's... It's a classic American hardcore LP. You think that's just... Well, you're saying that the demos are trying to be more like Discharge, but this is more of going like the D-beat route. Right. Do you think this is just a full Discharge influence with Kyle going a little crazy with the singing? I don't know. It's uh, I mean, Fred was definitely part of it. Yeah. Because Kyle and Fred wrote a lot of those songs together. And they used to sit in Harry's garage and just write songs you know without me and rick being there you know they would just sit there and jam practice all the time and practice all the time yeah and um what part of town where are they practicing uh right across from wainimi high school that's where harry lived cool and uh i don't know it's just i think i think it's a fantastic fucking record when i hear it you know what i mean i'm like so happy with that fucking record still i mean i can still hear my uh mistakes yeah my mispicks and stuff but i just try to ignore them yeah that's crazy (laughs) I, yeah, I think that that and the Burn 7-inch hold up yeah. ridiculously. Yeah. It's like the the perfect amount of production with, like, perfect amount of rawness. Yeah. You know, and, like, you care about the song structure, you care about writing good songs, but there's also, like, enough of, like, I don't give a fuck either. It's not, like, super calculated. Yeah, it's a real fine balance. Yeah, it's not overthought. Yeah. You know? So, to jump again, so... You're practicing in Wainimi. Where did you go to high school? I went to Oxnard High. Okay, cool. And that's where I met Robin Cartwright, who was Kyle's neighbor, who introduced me to Kyle. There you go. So we're yeah. jumping around, but we're getting yeah. to it. <laughs> so Robin was our first drummer. Okay. <coughs> and uh, he just, I don't remember why he quit or left. But then we got Rick Heller at right after Robin. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you hook up with Doug Mooney to do Plug in Jesus? The way I remember it is... Uh, Allison Braun, who used to take photos, they call her Mouse, and she used to write for uh, Maximum Rock and Roll for a while, and she just took photos of the you know, local scenes in L.A. at the cafe and stuff. She 
introduce Kyle to because her and Kyle started dating. Okay. And she introduced Kyle to Philco, who was be, uh, Doug Moody's right hand man. Right. He was like producing all the. Yeah, labels. yeah. He was, and he's the one that asked us to uh, come onto the label. Okay. Yeah. And how how did it work? Like you go in and you just record. Did you have to pay for anything? No, they paid for everything because the. Tony was saying that they had to pay for what happens next, or not what happens next for the Atlanta No Toilet. You know, stage. I don't remember. I don't remember that happening. Yeah, I mean, I th- maybe by. I mean, that's a jump. That that's a year or two earlier. Yeah. So by '84, maybe he's trying yeah. to do the label more legit. Oh, uh, talk about a jump from Atlanta No Toilets to fucking what happens next. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, again, it's like I, I've said it on here a few times, but it's amazing to me that all the narco bands like pre '94, except I, I think the Aggression LP is '83. Mm-hmm. But the Stalag and the Doctor No and the Ill Repute before '84, they're like faster and more generic. Yeah, and it's like they just do little tweaks to their sound. And in '84, they all stand out and they do like they're basically masterpiece LP. Right. You know. Yeah. Like I the, agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane because the Stalag demos are not good. Yeah. You know, it's pretty generic, thrashy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but In Control is like out of this world. Well, so, obviously. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to choose a band name and a logo, and it was like so easy just to lift something. <laughs> so, but yeah. So uh, you go record Plug In Jesus. How Do you remember how long you took in the studio or anything? Mm, I don't. Yeah. But do you feel like it was a day or you feel I would like it was think a I would think I was thinking it was probably two days. Yeah. 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 And then I remember sleeping at Mystic. Okay. So it must have been two days. Which is yeah. normal because Doug slept in Mystics. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there was couches everywhere and people just crashed there. Yeah, it must have been kind of a, a large place because Tony was saying for the the Halloween Live 7 and she had like 80 people in there. Yeah, it was a, yeah. I mean, they had a, like a big, like, anti, you know, like room outside the studio. There was like two or three couches and where people just... You could go there anytime. There'd be people sitting there drinking because the cafe was like right around the corner. Right. So it was like a pre-party at Mystic. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. So the record comes out, and do you feel like does it make an impact? Yeah, it changed. It changed everything because that was our first nationwide tour. So you tour right after. Yeah. But let's talk locally a little bit. Do you are you playing bigger shows now? Oh locally? yeah, are yeah. You it definitely because we had something to show. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, definitely. We stopped. We weren't opening anymore. You know, we started playing better shows. Bands started asking for us. Yeah. Yeah, it did, definitely changed everything. And do you remember the lineage? Because I just know that everything is 84. So do you remember, like, did Ill Repute come first? Did you come first? Did I don't remember, like, yeah. Because they just all hit in the same year. Yeah. And do you feel like one... I mean, that's a weird question to ask you, but do you feel like one of those bands is more popular? If you, Ill Repute, Stalag, and Aggression all played a show together in 84, mm-hmm. is Aggression headlining just because of seniority? Um. I would, to, in my mind, the way I see it, I think that Aggression and Ill Repute are probably the two most well-known hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong. But that's the that's my impression. But at the time, locally, oh, Aggression because they were older, yeah. yeah, and they'd been around, yeah, and everybody loved Aggression, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, if if you're talking worldwide today, I mean, I would say Doctor Nose is popular as Ill Repute just because. Well, I think this, that uh, I, I'd say that's true now. Appeal. Yeah, I'd say that's true now. Yeah, yeah because the, of the internet, and every, you can find everything now. Yeah, it's yeah. a more crossover appeal. You know, you have Hessians that love Doctor No, and you have yeah, punkers yeah. like Doctor No, and and punk dudes that you know traverse the whole scale of punk. Right, right from whatever you like to whatever you like. Yeah. So you do a tour right after Plug in Jesus. Yeah, we go to uh, New York for the first time. CBGBs. 
Shit. And I remember we were at we were at practice, and Rick said, "Hey, I'm booking a tour, a U.S. tour." And we're like, and me and Kyle are like, "Yeah, Seattle, El Paso, the same West Coast shit that we've done ten times, you know, which is fine. It's fun." Yeah. And he goes, "I got us a, a job at CBGBs." And I remember I literally said something like, "We can't go to New York." And he's like, "Why not?" And I'm like, "Oh, I guess we can go to New York." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just never thought that big. Yeah. You know. Well, let's jump back. So you had done some West Coast touring. Yeah. And you're, but you're doing it without a record, just like. The name. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit. But after Plug in Jesus came out, we, we must have done a West Coast tour before we did New York. Yeah. And how would those shows have been? They were great. We always did really good in Seattle and uh, San Francisco, uh, Portland. You know, we always did yeah. really well. Yeah. Okay. So this first U.S. tour, do you drive straight to New York or do you work your way out? No, I think we worked our way out and worked our way back. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember anything else from the tour? Fucking playing at CBGB's, man. I know. That's it, like <laughs> we 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 played there in '03, uh-huh. and I was starstruck too. Yeah, I can't imagine '84. Yeah, it's like firing on all cylinders at that point. Yeah. So, but you don't remember another story from that tour? Ah, uh, man, I'm horrible at this shit. shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to have someone to bounce off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know it's harder. Yeah, but this is this is a better way to document individual people. I think so. So you do that tour, and then in '84 the Nardcore comp comes out. Mm-hmm. Does does that boost like the popularity of the scene? Does that do anything for the the non Big Four bands? That are, oh yeah, like, I think so. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like can AFU go and play in LA now because that was on uh, the Nardcore comp? Maybe. I, you know, I I have to ask those guys, and I'm not even sure who's on that band. Had so many members, I'm not even sure who's on that record. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I saw them, they had a different guitar player. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Okay, and then the same year, the compilation comp comes out, mm. which is maybe the best Mystic comp. It's got I black flag so. on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's a good comp. <laughs> People should get it. Um, but don't drive up the price too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in 85, the Burn 7-inch comes out. Mm-hmm. Do you remember recording for it at all? Yeah, I remember because we had to sing backup vocals, and I'm horrified of microphones. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, me we all did the backup vocals for uh what's the song called? We're all screaming. Uh These Pressures. Okay. Yeah. Which is actually a cover of a beer gut song, which is my brother's band's. I was gonna ask that because uh yeah. well, I wasn't gonna ask that, I was gonna ask someone because I just posted recently a flyer of the first Ill Repute show. Yeah. And there was a band called Beer Guts on it. Yeah. Spelled all super weird. Yeah, yeah. And uh So it was like, Rick what? Heller on drums and uh my brother Jaime on bass, my brother Gilbert playing guitar, and then uh, Joey Pena, who was Doctor No's first singer, singing. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you have famous brothers. That's another thing. How is that? Uh, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember you put me in touch with them. It would have been I can't remember. I think it was Jaime that I called uh-huh. in 2000. It was before In Control did our first LP, and uh, the label we were on was doing pretty good. And they actually gave us an art budget. Uh-huh. And our budget was a thousand dollars. Yeah, but anyway, so I called him. That's a fucking lot of a lot for a punk band. That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought, and I thought that like you know because we knew some people, he would do it. But no, he's he's notoriously grumpy. He was grumpy. He, <laughs> he blew me off, and I was like, we should do this thing with you know. I want that really. I hate to say simple, but I it's. I only say simple because I don't understand art. Right, right. And so, like, when you look at art, it's like, oh, there's a lot of shit there. Like, that's the stuff I don't like. Yeah. I like when people, like, can make really cool stuff out of, like, simplicity. Yeah. 
And I was like, I want to do like something that looks like the What Happens Next cover, but with the two towers. Yeah. And he was like, I don't even understand what you're going for here. <laughs> uh, I was like, man, I, I feel like so small on the phone right now. Like, this sucks, <laughs> you know? And I wish he would have done it. It would have been awesome. Um, and then, yeah, he blew off the two towers thing. And now it's like a thing. It's on like that Anderson Pack album. And yeah. Everything. Like, people use that as a. Yeah, I've seen like it. A, yeah, a nard thing, like yeah. post that record, and it's like, yeah. man, I wish he would have done it because it would have been so iconic, and then it would have been like, when Anderson Pack does it, it's like not circling to some idea he heard from someone who's been circling to like a nard core related. Right, thing. right, yeah. Like, hey, what are you gonna do? I, w- I don't know. I try to not blow off twenty year olds for that <laughs> for that reason. Why well, don't blow twenty year olds either? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you just you never you never know. You never know, like, who it is you're talking to. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, anyway, this Island Earth comes out just one year later, and it is a, it's kind of a big change, like a little slower. Yeah. And definitely, like, tighter. The recording's better. Did you record, like, a long time for it? How, yeah, I you, think so. The studio? Yeah, I think so. But like I said, I don't remember. Yeah. But I do, you know, it's funny, at the time, I didn't realize that we were slowing down. Yeah, because everybody else was speeding up, right? Like DRI, and everybody was going faster and faster, and we were slowing down. And I didn't realize it at the time, and I hear it now. It's like, wow, that record's slow. Yeah, but it's it's also what makes it unique. I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock the record. Mm-hmm. I think it, it sounds cool as a unique sound, and you really only know that it's slow because you're re-recording some songs, right? Otherwise, it would have been like, yeah, the, oh, they're going for this like groovier thing. Like the burn version is slower right so yeah you, so you have something direct to compare it to yeah so and do you are you cro- like this is the time of crossover mm-hmm. it's 86 so even though you're not going faster you are going a little more metal yeah do you feel like you're crossing over into that scene more oh yeah man we started playing our uh the bands we played with totally changed when that record came out okay we started playing with we played with all the angels at bands, you know, Dark Angel, This Angel, all the fucking yep, Dark <laughs> the Black Angel. Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played with all of them, yep. which was cool. They're all cool guys, but it was just like let co- the crowd started changing. Mm-hmm. First, it was just punks, and then it was punks and metal kids. Then it was pretty much all metal kids. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a change. It was not a bad change, just different, you know. And more kids, you think? I don't know about that. Is there more money because you can charge more for a metal show? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> because someone told that to me before. They were like, you know, the biggest hardcore bands and the biggest like death metal bands, they draw like the same amount of people. The difference is it's like thirty five bucks versus fifteen bucks. Yeah, right. you know, so you can make money as a death metal band. And you know, I see these flyers where we like played with Megadeth twice, and I don't remember those shows. Yeah, you don't remember running into them. I don't remember. Them? I don't. It's no knock on them. I just don't remember those shows. Yeah. Well, it's hard when you do a touring band. It's like, okay, if you think about someone's normal life, you know, someone that lives like a real straight square life, they go to work every day, they come home, they see the kids. Um, their life, there's nothing that gnarly outside of it, you know. Maybe on right, the weekend right. they go to a movie, right, right, go out yeah. to dinner, yeah, yeah. and then once a year they go on vacation. Like, yeah. oh, I went water skiing. Like, this yeah. year was crazy, <laughs> you know. You think about being in a band, and it's like, even if you just tour once, you go out for 30 days, it's like every day something yeah. weird is happening. Yeah. Crazy and unexpected, like, just something that, like, is outside your norm, yeah. you know. So, I, I 
completely understand with like memories just getting pushed out of your brain. You know, it's interesting. I like to talk to the guys who used to roadie for us, like our friend Johnny and Ruben and a bunch of people that roadie for us off and on because they have stories that I don't remember. Yeah, you know, I think it was Max was talking to Albert. He was recording a couple songs, and Albert was around. He roadied for In Control, and then he roadied for No Motive. Huh. And he was saying, you got to get Albert. He remembers all these things I don't remember at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure it's true. And those are the guys, like, you know, I wanted to start my own podcast so I could interview who I want. Yeah. And that's that's who I would like is, like, those ancillary figures yeah. that can really tell stories. You but know, all- that, that, that kind of bugs me about all these punk movies that have come out, all 70 of them that have come out in the last 10 years. Nobody interviews the fans. Yeah, like do we really? Need, I mean, I love I love Black Flag, but do, I don't need to hear another Keith Morris interview. It was all the same people yeah. over and over, yeah. and it's the same thing in hip hop. Like, yeah, you know that those documentaries have been blown out so hard. It's like we're going to interview the same people. It's going to follow the same sequence of events. And, yeah, you know, in the punk one, they always they waste an episode on the proto stuff. It's yeah. like we get it, but. Everyone already knows the Stooges MC5 and stuff. Like, yeah. They don't need an episode. Like, why don't we do a whole episode where we dig into, like, the regional hardcore scenes, right? Let's go to Texas and do the dicks. And let's go yeah, like, yeah. all over. And- Here's another uh, pet peeve of mine. They never interview women. Yeah. What, like, I remember chicks at shows. Yeah. I remember chicks in bands. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't know it from the fucking uh, documentaries. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm weird. I like girls. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever see the bags in their prime? Yeah, I saw them twice. Yeah. How were they? Awesome. I loved them. Yeah, I love that seven inch. How about the Avengers? Same. I never. I have seen them now, but I didn't see them. My brothers. I remember I was like sixteen, and my brothers were going to go see the Avengers and at the whiskey, and I had heard a couple of songs. I knew who they were, mm-hmm. and they asked if I wanted to go, and I was like, No, I'm tired. And then of course they broke up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that we're the one song is like one of the all time rippers. Yeah, you know, it still like hits almost all my playlists and the bags too. Although that seven inch is a little weirder. I love oh, the um, survive. Yeah, yeah, that's a great record. Yeah, it's a great record, but we're the one is a ripper that can like be on any playlist. And yeah, like, you know <laughs> it. Do- it doesn't cut it up. Yeah. Anyway, so then we start getting like these weird re-releases. So if if this island Earth is eighty six. Also in 86 is like the first Best of Dr. No comes out. Yeah. And these are those old recordings that you're talking about that yeah. somehow Doug Moody finagled the licensing on them. I think he just released them illegally. He just said fuck it. Yeah, he just it fuck it and released it. Yeah. I mean, he he would know a little bit about like, are these guys going to go after me or not? Right. Right. And yeah. so he, he just had the yeah. balls to do it. Yeah. And, well, you, know? you know, he had RKL sign contracts when they were 14. So, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> You know, actually, a lot of people have been uh, have been hitting me up recently because we talk about the big four uh-huh. in our core, and they're like, "Well, where does RKL stand?" Yeah, and and I can't really answer that question. I'll tell you the answer that I give, and you tell me if I'm completely wrong, completely uh-huh. wrong or not. Um, part of it is like the big four of Narcore. It's like they're Oxnard proper bands. Yeah, and then also the RKL record. It did come out one year later. So yeah. it's 85 instead of 83 for aggression huh. or 84 for the other bands. Huh. How, he knows the years. I don't know the fucking years. Do, <laughs> 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 uh, well, I got to do a little research for these things, right? So, yeah. But wh- uh, where do you think RKL fits in to like Nardcore? Well, that's so interesting because I know that they never thought of themselves as Nardcore kids. Yeah. But they were totally a part of Nardcore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of a, I don't know. 
It's the same type of thing that happens now. Like, there's a couple of great hardcore bands in the Santa Barbara area, and they don't they don't really claim it. And it's like, yeah. I wish you would. Like, you're a part of it. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, when I was a teenager and there wasn't clubs in Oxnard, we had to go to the living room all the time. So it's like, I feel like this, like from this area to that area is all like, yeah, encompassed in yeah. one. But I mean, I also understand why they don't. It feels weird seeing yeah. something with Nard when you're not. Yeah. yeah. So. But I mean, there was tons of bands in Ventura when all this was happening. Just no, they never really recorded, but there was good bands and they never, you know, I think they also felt weird about it. But there was a lot of guys like Johnny Bruton and Dave Hawk who are just as nardcore as anybody and they're from Ventura. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's like. Well, and, and <laughs> the Nardcore Comp put out bands from Simi Valley to, yeah, 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 to yeah. Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, okay, and so, and Ill Repute, they toured with Scared Straight off the first record. Yeah. So, but RKL's a ripper. I mean, oh, I God. think people should, like, they deserve as much respect as the big four that we talk about, but I, I guess that's just why they're not. Yeah, and also they, they, moved to, they moved away. They moved to San Francisco. Did they? Yeah. They, so, uh, so when Rock and Roll Nightmare came out, you think they were I think San they Francisco? were in San Francisco, yeah. Okay, That's I guess that's another thing. Yeah. So... Yeah, keep laughing sick and rock and roll nightmare. I think that came out in eighty seven or eighty eight. That's like the wildest punk record for like <laughs> a year that no one was really doing great punk stuff. Yeah, you know, we, me and Max were talking one day about like the origins of of the do that do that do that do that yeah, drum yeah. yeah, and we think it's that. Do you have any idea? No. I wonder who would have done it first. Because, <laughs> you know, everyone did it in the 90s. Yeah. Like all the no effects and stuff. Do that, do that, do that, do that. Uh-huh. It was like, where's it from? And we're listening to that RKL record with like our, our ear to the speaker. Like, is he doing it? It kind of sounds like he is, but I don't know. Isn't it funny how important drumming is? Because I'll hear a song and I'll just go, I don't really like the song. And I realize it's the drumming. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, punk music is something where, I mean, is. A lot of it is three chord music, where yeah. the sizzle on the stake is the drumming. Yeah, you know, or having like a, a great singer. Yeah, you know, it's like you have to have a bass of something, and then it's sizzle beyond that. Um, same thing. Another, I guess they re-release the same thing the next year, and this time they're just saying original group with Brandon on it. Yeah, yeah. And this is all unauthorized. Well, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But are you pissed about it, or you're just like, oh, no? It's cool actually, to have it I was kind of cool that those songs were finally out. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. they're they're four years old at this point. You're like, yeah. oh, sick. They're out. I can yeah. listen to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did he give you records? Do you remember? I don't remember. I what what year did that come out? Uh, Best of Doctor No '86, the original group featuring Brandon Cruz '87. Yeah. So I quit in I think '87. Okay. So I don't. I'm not. I don't remember if so, I even knew it was out. Yeah. So you quit right before Wreckage and Flesh. Right. Or before they started songwriting for it. Yeah, we were writing. I remember writing um, War Theater. We were okay. writing War Theater, and that's when I quit. Is that why? No, <laughs> no. I just didn't. I just felt like we were spinning our wheels. Okay. Like we kept putting our records out, but we're still touring the same cities, still playing to a hundred kids, still. And I don't know what I expected to happen. Yeah. And also, honestly, I wasn't into speed metal, and yeah. we're playing with pretty much all speed metal bands now. Yeah. And it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't know what I wanted to do because I was kind of tired of punk too. Yeah, but I didn't. I knew. I knew I didn't want to play speed metal. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair answer, right? Yeah, and it's it's okay to get tired of punk and yeah, and not want to play speed metal. Yeah, <laughs> most people got tired of punk and 
started playing speed yeah. metal. So I don't. Yeah, and that's an honest answer that you don't know what you wanted to do. Yeah. So, so what do you do? I stopped playing music for like almost twelve years. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Until you come back around. Until Brandon with... convinced me to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been. Happily, did you play on that? Yeah. Okay. So that's you back in two thousand one. Yeah, we, Brandon. Yeah, I think we started jamming again in two thousand. Yeah. Yeah, and the record is Happily, and I think I saw you guys in that era. Did you do? Did you play with Poison Idea at the Whiskey? Yeah. Okay. You were one of the three people there. No, there was like a hundred <laughs> people there. I don't know. There was at least fifty people there. Yeah. So, and both bands ripped, but both bands didn't have their guitarist. Right? Right. Yeah, because Pig Champion... Well, I remember when, when Poison Idea walked in, and I went, is this Poison Idea? Yeah. Yeah. I think Pig Champion was... He was still alive then, but he must yeah. have been a big boy and not easy yeah. to travel. Yeah. So, but... Yeah, and then... Are you taking heat for... Oh, yeah. Um, people were uh, yelling, where's Kyle? And Yeah, you know, yeah. I remember there was like this long hair, like kind of like crowd surfing, flipping off Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle? That guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that. the same guy. <laughs> You know, when we played the Ventura Theater the first time with that lineup, uh, uh-huh. someone kept yelling, uh, fuck you, this isn't Dr. No, where's Kyle? Yeah. And then after we got, well, I was backstage, and I was like, who the fuck was that? And Brandon goes, that was Scott Porcho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not, not going to argue with him. You're like, oh, you got a point. <laughs> so, but yeah, so you get any other heat? And But Kyle wasn't doing anything then, right? No, he wasn't. And what do you think the proper way to go about that would be? If, like, you and Brandon want to play songs, you play well, a lot of those older songs that are, like, the Brandon era. You're right. But, I mean, Kyle wrote them, right? Yeah. But, but he's not around playing them. What's, what's okay, the proper what I think. Because I think that, and maybe I'm saying this because I'm, you know, because uh, Kyle wrote 90% of the songs. Sure. Um, those songs belong to everybody in the band. Yeah. I mean, the band does. those. Song, he wrote those songs, but the band... You know, I drove fucking 12 hours yeah. a day. I fucking uh, slept... I woke up with cat shit in my hair, mm-hmm. you know, on tour. I fucking... I mean, everybody in the band owns that band. Yeah, and you're also... You're in the room when the songs are getting written. Yeah, yeah. And you're giving the okay. You're like, oh, that's sick, or that yeah, sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like... Yeah. And it's like, if you weren't there negging like, the stuff that was bad, you're not going to get like... Right. That good song. I mean, right? everybody works their ass off to make it happen. Sure. Well, so no. Regrets. That's why I didn't feel bad, weird about playing those songs. And you want to play? You've been yeah. waiting for twelve years to play, and Doctor yeah. No is your band. It's all you've done, right? Yeah. So, so fuck it. Yeah. Fuck and, it. <laughs> and Brandon felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But he had done a bunch. Yeah he he never stopped playing Doctor No songs. No. In his different bands. Yeah, he went through a slew of bands, even the Brandon Cruz band. I know, which I think is hilarious. I wish they would have done a CD. <laughs> Tang has the shirt, but they don't have it in big boy size. So I was like, man, they only have one large left. I wish I could buy that. You can make a patch out of it. That's true. But I don't think I'm going to wear a Brandon Cruz band jacket. <laughs> a shirt I can do. The jacket is like a commitment. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like you only wear day. your favorite shit on a jacket or a hoodie. You know? <laughs> So, and you guys keep going. You're you're pretty prolific. Did you you played the whole way through? Yeah, with Brandon and yeah, still yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. So you do the Habley record. You do a split with Hellions and Fang. Same year. Um, I forgot about that record. I think disappeared, man. We're going down it. I, I I think that's a good record, but it disappeared. All this stuff is like competent. Yeah, you know, it's like good. 
uh, Father, Son, and Holy Shit, 2003. Yeah. Fuck Off and Die in 2008. But is that just a reprint? I think it's just a reprint. That's the final of, version of Happily. Yeah, it's, it's the it's same It's one record. way or the other. Yeah. It's, if Happily was CD. Or, yeah, yeah. This it's, is a yeah. vinyl. If, yeah. if Happily was vinyl, this is a CD. Yeah. Yeah, and then in 09, Killing for God. So you guys yeah. are... 2000s, like Dr. No's kind of fucking back, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're writing more records than you wrote in the 80s. I know. <laughs> so, and are you going through a slew of people? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody stays for three or four years, but... Yeah. yeah. Are you doing the majority of the songwriting, or are you letting whoever comes in, um, collaboration? The, Craig from uh, Naked Aggression. Okay. He was in the band for a long time. He wrote a lot of the songs. I wrote some. It was basically me and Craig, yeah. And does the Where's Kyle stuff go away? Yeah, it kind of just goes away. Yeah. Because people figure, they already know he's not in the band, so the people that are adamant about it just don't show up. Yeah, you want to go and yell the first time. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then but you know what, I just up. saw the Dead Boys without Stiff Baders, and they were fucking awesome. Yeah, I avoided that. Yeah. But uh, it was good. They're, just watching Cheetah play those songs was awesome. Yeah, you got I. You know what, you're right. That That's a dumb move for me to... To not go to that because after after Mark died, I saw Henry playing aggression for a little while, yeah. and I saw him play like this uh, some bar in Thousand Oaks, and it was like one of the best sets I ever seen. Yeah, you know, and that's without the singer. I don't even remember who was singing then. It wasn't Jess; it was yeah. someone else. But it's great. Yeah, yeah. So us stupid people judging bands for not having the right people in them, huh? Just go and have fun. So I mean, you know, it's it's a hit or miss. I've seen bands come back with one original member and they were horrible. Embarrassing. You know what I mean? It's you never know what you're gonna get. Well the newest version of Black Flag. It's oh. like it should it should have worked. I I mean it should have worked. It's like you got Greg Ginn, you got Chavo back, like yeah. all, you, all you gotta do is rock, dude. All you gotta do is rock. Dude, have Chavo's uh other band that he plays bass in played at the garage uh-huh. and at the end they did they did the uh Jealous Again uh-huh. EP. Uh-huh. It was Orgasmic, it was dude. Oh, it was so awesome. Because I never saw... I saw them with Keith and Dez and Henry, but I never saw them with Chamo. So for, that was just incredible. So let's get into some of that old stuff outside of Dr. No. Yeah, let's compare the Black Fat, the black Flag singers. So do you you saw them with uh, Keith? I saw Keith with Keith once. Where would that have been at? At the Hong Kong Cafe in Chinatown in downtown LA. And what's the capacity of that club? Oh, probably six, 100 people at the most. Maybe 60. It was a Chinese restaurant. Wow. Yeah. And it's what year again? 79. Okay. And it's packed out. Yeah. It was, um, this was an awesome show. It was a Red Cross opened with Greg Hetson on guitar, yep. Chavo on drums, mm-hmm. and then, uh, what's his name, McDonald on bass, the younger one? <coughs> so the two McDonald brothers. Yeah. And then um, I think the Chiefs or the middle class played, and then Black Flag, and then the Germs. Holy shit! Yeah, and <laughs> Jesus, how that's that's a hell of a show. I know. I, even <laughs> then, I knew. Wow, this is a hell of a show. <laughs> okay, so then you see the Dez era where uh, I saw them at a, a, like a recording studio in Hollywood one time. They played in Santa Barbara one time with Dez. Okay, and then one of the are they uh, playing like that Casa de la Raza? No, they played a bar. Okay, and would it have it would have been twenty one and older? Yeah, it was twenty one and older. So there's only like thirty people there. Holy shit. For Dez playing in Black Flag, and what year was that? It was right before he quit. So Yeah. 80. So it was right before Henry, yeah. Crazy. And then you saw the Henry lineup how many times? 
oh, uh, maybe three or four times. Yeah. And that, I mean, they were, the last time I saw them was for the My War Tour. Okay. With Kira and Bill Stevenson. So that was awesome because the band was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's like a, a band that stands alone yeah. in any genre, right? Right, like, right. You're yeah. just a great band. Yeah. You know, it's undeniable. Yeah. But not my favorite era. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so who was the best? Well, I my favorite Black Flag record is uh, the uh, American Waste. I've heard it before with Des. Okay. Or his version of Police Story mm-hmm. or Clocked In. Anything with Des singing is my favorite. Yeah. I like Chavo, and I like his version of Depression. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he hits that note. Depression <laughs> got a hold on me. <laughs> He's like the only guy that went there, you know? <laughs> and that's my favorite. Plus, Jealous Again is like untouchable. So, yeah. His depression, plus Jealous Again, Chavo yeah. wins. Although Chavo <laughs> loses for the comeback, you know? That's like kind of a bummer. It's like, but you know, now he says it was a mistake if you see interviews. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But now I got to pluck him. And now I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know who my favorite is now. So, but who do you think was the best live? Is it Rollins just because like they're the the best band overall? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Who's the best? I'm not. A, I'm not a massive Henry Rollins fan. I'm Sing, not a, singing wise, I'm not even a fan. Yeah. So. But he, I mean, uh, "Thirsty and Miserable" is probably my favorite Black Flag song, and he's singing it. Sure. <laughs> you know. Sure. So. Yeah. But live, who do you think it was best? I guess I that Des. Have you ever seen the Target video? From San Francisco, it was a uh, it was a warehouse where they re- just recorded bands. Okay, it's called Target Video, okay. and it's uh, Black Flag with Death singing. It's oh. incredible. You think that's the best? Yeah, that I'll, I'll, I'll that track it down and find it. Yeah, who is the best punk band you ever saw live? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. We gotta go a little old like that. What are some standouts? Well, I fucking worship Discharge. Okay, so I say Discharge. And you got to see them? Did they tour a bunch? Yeah, but they. They toured a lot during the metal years. Okay, so why and uh, and the other record like are they touring off those? They yeah, did? they toured. They toured for uh, Hear Nothing, Hear Nothing, Nothing, Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's just like a perfect fucking record. It's perfect. Well, both those are perfect. Although, yeah. why is it? I guess they say it's an EP. It seems like an LP. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but do they come out just like one one time per no, I record? Think, I think. I think they came out like once a year because I've seen flyers of them playing LA a lot yeah. in the eight, early mid eighties. You know? And did you see them when they were in their prime? Yeah, yeah, I did. And that was the best. Yeah, just because anybody who could take a three chord song and make it sound like that is a genius. It's just like pummeling. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, Chris Fix? You see him? Yeah, they played in fucking. They played at a fucking uh, by the airport in Oxnard. Really? Yeah. What was that place called? Uh, Casa Tropical. There you go. They played a Mexican bar. In Oxnard. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that place like? It was awesome because uh, it was kind of the the height of the the birth of you know Nardcore and all that, and mm-hmm. all the Santa Barbara kids were coming down. People were coming from the valley, you yeah. know. So it was awesome. It was incredible. It's a great time. Do you remember them being a standout live band? Though? Oh yeah, they were great. Because they're they're the live. other one. I mean, right behind Discharge. Like, yeah, just punishing. You're yeah. waiting for it to go slow, and it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Staying right in the pocket. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, now you're doing no. You dropped the doctor. Yeah. And was there any reason why? I mean... Oh, just so that if Kyle starts up Dr. No again, there's not an issue. You know what I mean? Just that, that's So true. people know what they're getting. That's true. Because yeah. he... 
I'm trying to remember when he would have come back. It would have been right around 2010, maybe. Yeah. So that makes sense. I think. Have you talk, I've approached him? No, I will. Uh, I will. So yeah, he'll be an interesting interview. Yeah. But uh, he's a, he's an you know he's like a brother to me. He's an awesome guy. He's just he, he can be difficult. You know. You know. He knows I'm, what he wants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, one of my couple things I like about being an adult. One is I can choose so I can have around me. Right. Which is the best thing about being an adult, right? You yeah. Cut shitty people out of your life. But uh, as as an adult, the other thing I really look for in people is just consistency. Right. So, like, if you know that he is a certain way and he's always that way, then you can learn to love him. Right. Exactly. You know, it's not like he's cool sometimes and freaks out sometimes or whatever. Or if he does, he does it consistently. You know, and, so you can like him. And in every band, there's one person whose vision you're Everybody's putting in their shit, but there's usually one person with the vision of what the band's going to be. Yeah. That was Kyle. In False Confession, it's Fred. Yeah. Fred comes to practice. I bring a song. He rewrites it. That's fine, because it makes it awesome. Yeah. Israel brings him lyrics. He goes, I don't like that line. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's Fred's vision. Yeah. And, and he, we all put in our shit, but it's really Fred's vision. You know what yeah. I mean? And there's somebody like that in every band. Yeah. And, and that person is always a little bit of a freak. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, no is actually, you've gone to Europe? Yeah, we went, uh, 17? Yeah, that was so much fucking fun. We'd never been there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, so you never went. No, I mean, I've been there as a tourist, but not playing. Sure, yeah. but even like this island Earth, you didn't go. No, we, you know, we were always led to believe that they weren't interested in American hardcore bands, and then we get <laughs> well, there. you got lied to. <laughs> I know. We were in, in um, Berlin, Heart, Heart and Soul, whatever it's called. Berlin, um. Yeah, well, in Berlin, and there's this German guy sitting there, and he's in his late fifties, and he opens his shirt, and he's wearing a a homemade ill repute shirt from 1982. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all this time, we were told, "Don't go to Europe. They hate American hardcore. Don't yeah. go to Europe. They hate American hardcore." I wonder if you could do like a nostalgia package and go over. <sighs> We've been, tra- dude. Everybody's been trying to get ill repute to go to Europe for ten years. <laughs> yeah, they should go. No, they they're should, t- dude. They they're timeless, and they're still yeah. They're just so good still. And there's like three original members. I know. I That's know. rare. Well, the drummer they have from now has been with them for 15 years. I know exactly. Yeah. You know the new guy. He's been around for 15 years. Yeah, I know. Like three times the length of an average band. I know. <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly. So and Carl's still around. Yeah. He might want to tag along and play a few songs too. I'm sure he would. Yeah. So. Yeah, Europe was awesome, man. The kids were fucking. Awesome. What type of places are you playing? Just like, you know, punk venues like... Uh, you playing squats or are you playing... We played a couple of squats. Yeah. But uh, mostly just, you know, punk bars yeah. stuff. And it's interesting, you know, we played this bitchin' festival in Croatia mm-hmm. where the opening band, they look like skater kids from the 80s. Okay. And they opened up with... Uh, we played in Pula and they opened up with Oxnard by Ill Repute. Uh-huh. Like they said, scream Pula. <laughs> Sick. Do they? Do you, do you think they did it because you were there? Oh yeah, they did it. Yeah, okay. they, they did. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And their logo, I can't remember what their band was called, but it looked like the RKL logo. Oh. I mean, they were like obsessed with fucking. Yeah, that's cool. Southern California bands. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there was a this band Life's Halt. They, I, I can't remember what it came out on. I feel like there was like a, a Simpsons related punk comp, and uh-huh. they did Offstar yelling Springfield. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty cool. It's, it just it's timeless. Yeah. All that stuff, it holds up. We're lucky to be from a place where like our bands were good. We're not like latching on to some like third rate band 
And right. uh, and also, we've never. Have you felt like Oxnard has always has tried to be its own thing? You never tried to like latch on to LA or. Yeah, I mean, we played LA m- way more than we played in Oxnard, obviously, because there's more places more to play. Places. Yeah, but it was always kind of separate. Yeah. I mean, I never really. I don't remember ever having like consciously having that thought. Yeah. But that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like it's a, it's kind of its own scene. Yeah. Back then as well. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanna you wanna brush on? Uh, no, man. I think that's it. Yeah. You're a hell of an interviewer. Well, thank you. I don't have any good stories about like Ruben stabbing the fucking. Uh... <laughs> you gotta think of something because I. Okay, here's a good story. Okay. So you know Chase Brothers Dairy sure. out there on Fifth Street. Sure. When we were little, we would go there on field trips, and they would give us. Uh, after you went and petted the cows and stuff, they would sit you out on the lawn. I'm like, you know, seven years old. Yeah. And they would give you a little felt beanie that said Trace Brothers Dairy on it, and they would give you a Twinkie and chocolate milk, and you sit there and eat it. Uh-huh. And then they'd give you a book called Geraldine the Cow. Okay. It was just a really simple kids' book about how happy the cow was. Okay. You know. And. I remember I just had it in the bedroom on the floor, and my brother Jaime picked it up, and he was just drawing in it because he drew on everything. Sure. And he drew a circle, an X, and he put the N A R D in it. He goes, "Look, Oxnard." Yeah. So and that's it. That's it. So he actually drew the Nard. He drew it first. like when we were like seven and eight years old, yeah. and then it kind of sat, you know. And then when punk started happening, he drew it again. But he drew the di- He drew it with a diamond. He goes, it looks tougher like a diamond. Yeah. We were just laughing. We're drinking, you know? Yeah. And then uh, Ruben Sanchez, who stabbed the radiator, Ill Repute's radiator with a screwdriver, uh-huh. he, uh, he's the one that took the NARD out. He just started drawing the, uh, yeah. you know, the... Yeah. You got to make him think a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> awesome. It's two brothers, one coined Narcor and one drew it first. That's yeah, and right. that's why we're so rich. <laughs> I was well, I'm waiting for my check. This, this is a pretty nice spread, dude. Oh, yeah, dude, I can't complain. I got the nicest, best wife in the world. I got a bitchin' house. I got no complaints. Yeah, you and Larry, you, your back, your backyard games are strong. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I grew up Silver Strand. There's no backyard. Yeah. I live in San Diego in a condo. No backyard. So I'm always stoked on when people got their backyard game on point. So that's cool. But, uh, yeah, that's all. You got... You can pull another one out if you want. We don't do follow-ups. No. Because everyone, right when we get done, they're like, oh. It was funny. It was the, I think it was the fourth guy I did, this guy, Anthony Guzman. I work with him as well. He uh, he hit me up right when we were done, like a couple days later. Oh, I actually remember I got into punk a different way. Let me tell the story. And I was like, dude, I'm not editing the fucking podcast for you. Like, get out of here. You know? But then it was funny because I was like, that's why on on podcasts, it's like episode five or six. I bring him back on. He gets to tell his little story. Right, right. But I brought his buddy on to roast him, and <laughs> so they roast each other back and forth. I could have done that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's another here's another story, real quick. Yeah. We were practicing in there in Kyle's mom's garage, and Dave Casillas and uh-huh. Tom Niemeyer from The Accused. Okay. They're like 14 years old, and they show up to watch us practice. And we didn't have a name yet. We were just just writing the first songs and. Kyle go and the, and Dave goes. What are you guys called? And Kyle goes, the accused. But I think we're going to change it. And Tom said, "Can I have that name?" And we uh, say, "Yeah, we're not going to use it." That's great. So there you go. Yeah, that's good. You know, you know, I almost forgot how to what to ask. And I'll tell you the precursor. So, the first drummer of In Control, Tony Molina, he uh, 
you know, everyone's got stories. And he used to say, like, oh, sometimes Dr. No would practice in my dad's garage. And we we just thought he was, like, making up stories or whatever, yeah. right? And then one of us gets plugged in Jesus. And on the uh, on the thanks list, someone's like, thank you to the garage walrus. And so Tony Molino's dad, Al Molino, is a pretty big, heavyset guy. <laughs> and we're like, holy shit, Tony was telling the truth. Al Molino's the garage walrus. It's got to be, you know? And, uh, but I guess I should ask you. Oh, so there was a Japanese family at the end of our street. My best friend, George and his dad used to sit in their, um, lawn chairs in the garage and watch Dodger games. They had a TV in the garage, right? Okay. And they'd be out there all the time. His dad would be drinking a beer and, uh, Kyle, Kyle would be dropping me off from practice or whatever. And we drive by and on the garage door open one day, we see a purple fucking stuffed walrus sitting on top of the, on the garage door. And Kyle just starts praying going, Ah, the garage walrus, and starts bowing. And so that's what that was about. Oh man, okay, Tony, I, I, I apologize for all those those years of thinking that your dad was the garage walrus. <laughs> Off the hook, we were wrong, but that would have been hilarious because he was a big dude. Tony, Tony used to get bummed because he'd you know go to a show and buy a hoodie, and he'd come home, and his dad would have he'd show up in his. Dad cut off the sleeves and was sleeping on the couch in it. <laughs> it's like, oh, my hate breed hoodie. You know? But, uh, okay. Well, you have anything else, sir? No, I you think feel good. Someone. Yeah, I feel good. Cool. Uh, I didn't freak out, and I'm good. Yeah. You know, people get nervous, and I get nervous as well. And yeah. It's a, it's a different medium, but I'm trying to document everyone, so. Has anybody interviewed you? No, we'll do it for, well, sometimes when we I'll bullshit, it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I brought on Stu, who plays in Omega Point, and uh, and Chris Ramos from Dead Heat, and like I was giving huh. an off-start scene report. Yeah, and it kind of went off the rails, and they'd ask me stories. And yeah, stuff, but you know, my stories get interspersed a little bit, like yeah. the Tony Molino. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, and no one wants to hear that much about me. I'm not that interesting. So. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, cool, everyone, and now people are making fun of me for ending with. Do you feel like you've been well represented? <laughs> do I feel? Uh, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> no, you feel like you came off good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy because I, I was really nervous about this. Yeah, Tony was too, and both yeah. of you guys did great. Well, he's a singer. Why is he nervous? It's just a totally different medium. I, I think know. that, like, you know, people did interviews for zines and shit for a long time. You know, you go in someone's van, they're recording you, so that's yeah, kind of yeah. weird. But it's like they're not going to hear your voice. Yeah, and it gets like edited, so all the ums and the uhs and the uhs get taken yeah. out, you know. So this is it's raw and it's it's rad. I think it's like the modern fanzine. Oh no, for sure. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And it's like uh, it's a moment in time. And I should actually end with saying this is recorded on June first, two thousand nineteen, because I mean we're documenting a moment in time, right? Right. Tomorrow. You might have beef with someone. Like, yeah. I well, mean, Brandon Cruz had a falling out. Fuck that guy. But hopefully never. I think, it, I think it rules that you guys have been friends for so long. Really, everyone has. There's like all the older guys seem to get along, and it's rad. Have you seen my wife's tattoo? Sure. Oh, let's see. Kook? Because she's from the valley. Ah! <laughs> you got branded. <laughs> he loves that's, it. He cracked up. He was all. That's hilarious. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you.